0: Welcome to ElectionSpeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others affecting your voting decisions, and is brought to you by the Speech Improvement Company. Here are your hosts for ElectionSpeakers.com, Lori Schloff and Dr. Dennis Becker.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Dennis Becker, and this is ElectionSpeakers.com, the place to hear unique critique of the speaking styles of candidates and others who are part of this presidential campaign now today is september 22nd 43 days before election day so before we get to all of the very interesting and exciting topics that happened this past week and of course talk about what's going to happen in the debate at the end of this week before we do that let's introduce who's joining us today left to right around the radio dial is monica murphy and monica is an international speech coach and joining us for the first time from present rather than being on the road monica welcome
2: Thank you, Dennis. Great to and, be here.
1: And next to Monica is a very special guest who I'm going to introduce in just a couple of minutes. So hold on from that. Around the table, next is Law Lapidus, professional actress and coach with us in law. I know you have some very interesting things to say about uh, some of our female guests today, too, in our, uh, in our conversation. So welcome, Law.
0: Thank you, Dennis. You know I always
1: do. Next to, next to law is uh, one of our special guests, Dr. Debbie London. And Debbie is with us. ...to talk about particularly the debates. He's an expert in debates, is an author and a professional speech coach. Debbie, welcome.
3: Thanks, Dennis.
1: And joining us in the studio rather than on the phone is our soon-to-be author and professional speech coach, Ethan Becker. Welcome. It's great to be back in the country. And finally with us today, a very special guest... Joining us from MSNBC, CBS, and CNN, an analyst there, and author of a fantastic book. If you haven't read it yet, you really should read this book. It is very exciting and interesting and challenging. Justice for Some, it's called. You're going to enjoy the book and enjoy even more having her as a guest today. Welcome, Wendy Murphy.
4: So good to be with you today.
1: Glad to have you. All right. Now, folks, we have lots of stuff to talk about today, not the least of which is I think we are finally... No, maybe not. Let me ask this question. Are we finally past the lipstick issues or not? Are we still talking about that? I still hear it. You do? I still hear it on TV, yeah, yeah? sure. And on the radio, people are talking about it. Have we moved past that and are now ready to talk about some of the more substantial issues, or is that a substantial issue? Yeah. Yeah. Of course it's
4: a substantial issue. Gender is a huge issue in this campaign, and I think lipstick is just, you know, it's both an interesting uh, thing that happened, but it's also metaphor for the women's vote. And so it's very much a topic. And, uh, you know, I think there's women could really make the difference in this campaign. They're being challenged in two important ways. Do you want somebody to be elevated to that position of authority, which is a good thing? But what if she votes in ways or you know, pushes uh, issues and ideas in ways that are inconsistent with women's equality, which you know, is still, we're still struggling with? So I, I think it's doing a good thing, this focus on lipstick slash you know, gender, gender, because it's making women think harder, deeper, uh, more substantively about who they intend to vote for.
3: I hope it is, because I, I hope that women aren't just voting or not voting for for the Republican Party because Sarah Palin is a woman, in the same way that, that Obama talks about people voting for him or against him simply because he is black, that, that that should not be an issue. Obama says that becomes a wash. In this case of Sarah Palin, I, I think it makes more of a difference. I really do. I, I, I have to say it does. Voting for somebody based on race or gender is a dopey
4: reason to vote for Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've
1: said that many times here, yeah. and I hope we're all in agreement with that. Right. But I'm sure there are also folks out there who think that those are critical issues, and I'd never vote for a black guy, a woman, she's a... I'm sure we're going to get some of those voters out there. They're out there, no matter what. Right. So let's us look more, a little bit more at the way in which these messages are being communicated, whether male or female, Republican or Democrat. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night... This is a Monday, of course. Last night, 60 Minutes was on the air, and we had a chance to see Mr. McCain and Mr. Obama. Did anybody see that? We're going to saw comment that. on that. All right. Mm-hmm. So, interestingly, let's talk first of all about seeing it versus hearing it. Now, uh, Dr. Debbie London, you saw it. I did. What, what, what's your sense of how the both of them came across, from what you heard from them and what you saw?
3: You know, Dennis, it's interesting because you know that if they make a mistake or a blunder, they can stop and and go back over it, and they were schooled. And, in fact, it was taped, I think, a month or so ago because the person interviewing uh, Senator McCain said, well, in September you're going to be 72, and he's already turned 72. So they're talking about his age and all that he's been through, and they're both very solicitous, but it will be interesting to see how... That translates to when they are speaking on the same stage in the debates versus these back-to-back interviews that were so they were so prepped for and they had time for outtakes. And a little
1: bit later on today in today's program, you and I are going to talk about debates and the types of debates. But looking at, at the way they are now, do you guys see, we've been talking about this for several weeks now, you guys see a difference in the way that McCain is speaking versus the way that... Uh, the way that Obama is speaking. Do you notice any differences yet?
0: Well, actually, I, w- I would like to say something about that, but I just wanted to make a comment on the previous thought of, of, of Deb, and that is my concern about so much emphasis put on the age of McCain. This reminds me of the lipstick issue. I know we want to move on from that, but this is it, it's almost an ageism that's coming across. First of all, Seventy is very, very young in our society right now. They're putting him in the grave, which concerns me. He (laughs) might have 20, 30 years to go. We don't know. Do we know? No, we don't really know. That's a concern of mine in terms of aesthetics and physicality. They're really placing a lot of judgment on the way he looks.
5: So are you saying age is the lipstick of the week?
0: I think so. (laughs) I think it is in a lot of ways. I mean... Are are we voting for the man, the person, or are we voting for the youngest, most popular person we can get? You no, know, I think ageism goes both ways, because a lot of folks say Obama's just
4: too young. Not only inexperienced, mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. too young. And, you know, frankly, I don't want my president to drop dead. And I don't think he looks all that, you know, chipper. <laughs> but, that, but that's not an appearance issue, that's a health issue, mm-hmm. and it matters. It really does. Yeah. He's been through a lot. Matter. He's and, and, been and through you, a lot. You
1: realize when they, they finally uh, uh, released his medical records, a few weeks ago they released his medical records for a thousand pages, yeah. they mm-hmm. gave it only restricted viewing, mm-hmm. only doctors, you could only see it for three hours, no copying of pages, no technical materials could be brought in like recording yeah. machines, now, who, even a doctor, a 1,000 pages, three hours to review it, there's something curious to me about why that wasn't released you know, for a longer period of time, which is generally. But at any rate, I agree with Wendy. I think that uh, that the health of the person we're electing does make a difference.
5: Now, I, I saw the 60 Minutes last night. My impression is interesting because we often talk with our clients about the impact that the, your surroundings has on you when you're speaking, no matter where you are, and in, in politics, if you look at the, the convention speeches, you could tell the difference between when the, the Democratic convention and the Republican convention, when they were speaking, the speakers in the, at the RNC, they were all, there was a lot more yelling and screaming sort of to the microphone based on the, uh, the, the, the layout lay of the land. Last night, <clears throat> if you look at the impact on the two interviews, McCain was far more comfortable.
1: Yes. And
5: this, his speaking style, he was relaxed and very conversational, and he wasn't sounding very political in his rhetoric. Compared to how he performed at the Oh, yeah, 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 I can't even put that comparison. But even compared to, and, and, you know, at one point he actually said, this is where, one of the questions is, where do you do your great thinking? This is where I do my great thinking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Obama, I think he was in a conference room probably on the road somewhere because he was he was at a in table. At a, he was yeah he was at yeah. a table he was in he was on he, like the switch was turned on so he was in rhetoric zone he was comfortable he was his normal sort of obama self definitely more rhetoric uh, political rhetoric firing up there less of the what kind of a person Less of that, like with McCain, there was a lot of that. What we saw with Sarah Palin and uh, Sean Hannity, which was the, how did you feel when you got the phone call? You know, like questions to ask about who you are. You I good, didn't see that with Obama. You raise last a good
2: night. point. Do you think? So I think it gets to something we talked about before: the staging of where these things take place. Mm-hmm. But really, what that gets to is perception. What does it do yeah, for right. voters? We know about McCain's style. He's a good storyteller. Tell us again, when you were in the camps, what happened? We know he's a very good storyteller. Which you reminded us of again last night, just in case we didn't know. He uses all of that (laughs) vocal variety, and and it sets a tone with him. It's perception he's good in storytelling. He's less effective when he's on a large podium working with teleprompters. He's got the, you know, he doesn't move. His physicality of filling speaker space is not good, so he doesn't come across as confident. All his expression is facial. Nothing really happens with his arms. So he's better sitting I think down. His arms he, are broken, actually. Well, from a certain yeah. part, you know, they, you know, they really don't yeah. work from being held tight and camps and whatever He'll stories. He's he sh-
4: can't even brush he, his own hair. No,
2: but that's, you know, I think people yeah. feel bad for him and probably give him a pass even though it does yes, look awkward. that's right. Mm. So, but he, I think, will come across as more confident in a seated position when he's doing that, whereas, I o- whereas yeah. Obama is less credible when he's one-on-one in that chair sometimes. He does a little bit better when he has something prepared for him. I think the perception will change when we see him in a live debate, and he isn't quite as as prepped you know As what strikes seen. me about Obama, too? I mean, he's very articulate, but he's almost
4: spooky calm. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's just not normal. Everybody knows McCain's a bit of a hothead, and he's kind of come far in managing that. So we all kind of go, ah, he's flawed, I'm flawed, we bond. Mm-hmm. Obama, it's almost like Mitt Romney, mm. where perfect was so creepy you couldn't <laughs> mm-hmm. get the guy. Mm-hmm. Obama has that feel; he ju- he needs. In to what give it up ways? A like,
2: what do you notice that in? Is it in his voice tone? Yeah. Is it in his facial expression? All of the above. The
4: words. All. It's like he's on medication. Mm. That's how I feel because he doesn't seem passionate. But mm-hmm. I, but and I know someone who works in his campaign at a very high level, and she said the first day she was there, the message was no drama. So you, mm-hmm. almost, it's almost like it's mm-hmm. it's. Um, planned the no drama plan from the obama camp is in him well, interesting. i i agree yeah. with that
5: yeah. when but, he turns yeah. it on though it's it's very noticeable when he flips the switch and turns it on mm-hmm. which he which does, does in the larger venues in the larger venues he does okay.
2: yeah. it does show you how controlled it is and what it comes to for perception and of course we're talking about style what would what would people think of his style if it was drama would we he, we call him martin luther king would we equate him with somebody else who couldn't be riled you know quarrelled in against right, so right. it's yeah, interesting made, that's, if that's a, a, a very style good point. issue
1: monica's making a very good point that if he were dramatic then i think the uh, have, there's, a, there's a portion of the voting population that would say they would call him, what's the, what's the word, right, look, uppity?
3: Look at what happened to the Howard, Dean. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the extreme, Howard Dean. The right. yeah, extreme, so I yep. think
1: he has to be careful, particularly the because there are, there are voters out it. there whose perception would be that he's uppity and a troublemaker. And because he's and
4: black, he has to be really careful black. not yeah. to look radical because people already think he is radical. Well, mm-hmm. of course,
1: on the other hand, he was only a community organizer, so he can't be much trouble. You know? Well, I'll
0: tell you, this <laughs> is, right. is going to be a big tactic for this week's debate. Who can Who can get each other all revved up? Yeah. The quickest, the fastest, and the hottest. That's going to be a major tactic on both their hit lists. Who can get the other to lose think we're their temper quicker? I, I don't there. think we'll All see right. it. All right. But, but I think whoever
5: it. does lose their temper will probably have the one up on the other. Because like, cause I think we're going to see both of them try and stay as calm as possible. And I know you mm-hmm. want to move us on. One quick thing on, on with Obama that I saw this weekend, or this, this past week, was when he was in Florida. Uh, watching it live on C-SPAN, they showed there were some hecklers that were there. And it was up in the stadium, up in the balcony section. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to see how he handles it. Because that's something that a lot of speakers, even in the business world, you face. Not so much that kind of heckling. But when you are live in front of a large group and there's something that happens. And it's not on the teleprompter. What do you do? And It's not easy to actually navigate in that. Now McCain does the same mm-hmm. thing. He's got he's to navigate in that. It's always interesting to see how they do it. Now what he said, so he, he paused. At first he tried to ignore it, which is what most speakers will do. And then it got really loud. And he, to that very sort of calm side, he looked at the guys and kind of like, um, who was the fellow on, uh, the, in the movie Lean on Me? Was it Morgan Freeman? Mm-hmm. Who's, you know, the principal was, he was like, okay, young fellas, okay, young folks. It's all right that you're, you know, with his hand up high, telling them, like, they're very fatherly. It's all right that you have your signs up there. Just let me say what I got to say. Mm-hmm. You know, very conversational, not easy to wing it like that. And, uh, no, was and remember Bill Clinton,
4: I think, cost Hillary some support when he freaked out and somebody heckled yeah. him and he mm. just barked at them and his face turned red. Mm. And, and that because yeah. it is a Howard Dean-like problem. Yeah. Do, do we all remember that Ronald yeah.
1: Reagan did that, though, mm. years ago and somebody barked out and he said... I paid for this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, now see what had
2: happened to McCain. What did he say? D- disregard that ground noise. Yeah, yeah
1: ground the, ground tune noise, out the ground yeah. noise yeah. at the yeah. convention. Yeah. Well,
2: you you raise a good point, Ethan, and let's bring it to we're talking about who has a chance at winning the debate this Friday. Really what we've got to think about, though, is even though we don't talk about content, what the content of the debate is is going to impact the perceptions that they have. And if you think about it, we've got to take a look at the fact that this Friday's debate, it, that Jim Lair is hosting from PBS at University of Mississippi, is on foreign policy. Now, what do we know about this? We know that for McCain, this is candy. He knows the economy. He's all set with language, emotion, you know, he's, I mean, with foreign policy, he knows those things. He's lived them. He's been a war veteran. He's worked with foreign policy. It's going to be a very different landscape, especially for Obama, who is not seen as being as strong on foreign policy. He's gotten a little bit more, from an economy standpoint, a little bit more backing. But and, and didn't they fight about which issue got?
4: First. got up yeah. first, and, mm-hmm. and McCain was perceived as having won this. That's right, because um, this is where he is so going to people, be stronger. So the folks who are watching are going to remember the mm-hmm. performance
2: because it's the first thing that comes up, right? right? Right, And just like in a psychological principle of primacy and recency, right. yes, we tend to I'm remember doing. the first of the debate. We kind right. of forget the middle, and we'll remember the close. So what's going to happen for the end for, for, in Obama's the closing And how's McCain going to handle it in his opening piece as well? We'll Do we know what issue is coming at the end? We know what's first. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's coming at the end, but what's interesting is I can't help but think it's going to be tied back somehow to the financial crisis. And if we have been following that, which we're going to get to talk about in a minute, it's very interesting to see the numbers for McCain and Obama currently because McCain has – given a very Bush-like talking point by saying all the fundamentals are in place. So his language, his, his voice tone, it's sounding very Bush-like in the way he's responding. That's not, And he's taking a position. And that's not as reassuring for listeners where I think Obama's taken more of a wait-and-see position, and he has, he has jumped on McCain. He's keeping voters neutral. What does that mean? Hmm. Could still vote for Obama? Might not. Don't, they don't have a side against him yet. So I think it's a wait. It's going to be a wait and see. The political landscape is really going to change this week. But and and given the
4: current um, unsettled nature of mm. the economy and what's going on uh, with the banks and so forth, the fact that the style of this debate is going to be. Uh, open ended that they can actually toss in unprepared questions and bark back and forth at each other as I mm-hmm. understand it, and i, I don 't know what all the ground was are, but it 's a much more free flowing debate than the planned vice presidential debate so which I uh, think
5: will have far higher ratings by the way it mm-hmm. will for the first time
4: it, it will, but for all the wrong <laughs> right. reasons of course. I think a free willing fight about the status of our economy in terms of the global perspective, mm-hmm. I think that 's going to really produce um, significant feelings. In, in, in terms of our confidence, how do we feel that's about right. our, our country? Now, the economic
1: mm-hmm. topics. The economic topic mm-hmm. doesn't come until the fourth debate, mm-hmm. which is not till the end of October or the middle of October. So we won't hear really, despite the fact that we're in a national financial crisis right now, we won't hear from them on but, that. You know, but I foreign think that's policy. A foreign, foreign, foreign policy. and the
2: economy are, are definitely linked.
4: They're connected. It, that's where
1: they'll bring it in. right So now. it's
2: all going to come back to perception. How do we like the way Obama answers a question fired at him? How do we like the way McCain answers? What about their voice tone? What about their vocal variety? How about their facial expression? We are going, many people are going to make their decision based on those things, as what we're talking it's about. It's very
0: interesting, Monica. This week we know that both of them are rehearsing hmm. day and night. They call them actually run-throughs, and they're running through, like a play or a something or a recital. Or they're running through... Huh this this relatively impromptu format because they're nervous about it. They don't feel comfortable with this. And in fact, nine times out of ten, the average person does not feel comfortable with a fairly extemporaneous format. They want to know what's coming. They want to be prepared. So I just wanted to tell you the two different styles they're working in. McCain chooses to use a human being. He's going to have a guy on the side that he can physically, with his face and with his body throw answers to, to remember that a human being is asking the question. And he's going to get feedback from this guy on what his face is doing, what his hands are doing, Mm, all those things we look at. Mm. Obama is going to set someone up with a podium directly across from him. So at times he'll have the person uh, directly face-to-face, and at times he'll remove that person and just have the lectern in Mm. front of him.
1: Mm. Not a picture of McCain. What the psychology <laughs>
0: is, I'm not sure. What the no, psychology no, just, is, yeah. I think he wants to be able to connect whether a human being is standing there he, or he not. He may be
5: able to he be. He may be trying to process it so that in his mind he's familiar with the idea that someone's there. But in the real debate, it's, they're not going to be standing directly in front of them like that. Yes,
0: exactly. And he's
5: probably preparing. But that you know exactly.
0: It's, I just want to bring up something though. Specifically about McCain, as we talk about style and we talk about body language, all these really interesting things that the viewer on TV is going to be looking for and looking at. Uh, One thing is the empathy factor, which I think is very, very important for both candidates to set the bar extremely high, make their audience feel like, I am you, I'm in your living room, I know what you're going through, and I'm just talking to you. I'm not talking to 300 million people. I'm really just talking to you. This is going to be very important. And with McCain, I haven't heard this talked about too much, but our demographic in the U.S. is older. The average person in the U.S. is 55 or up, right? So a lot of these people... Can empathize with McCain or and identify. Well identify. Identify. you know what the problem with that is it's like, Because it can't like, move well. But you no, know, but it's like
4: <laughs> but it's like saying, Oh I really like that guy, he's got a nice avuncular style, he reminds yeah. me of Uncle Charlie. That may be, but yeah. Yeah. I don't
0: want my Uncle Charlie running the country. That's right. Right, right, but yeah. but whether we agree with that or not, it has to be pointed out at least as a coach from a coach's perspective. That lack of movement, that lack of articulation in the face, that lack of physical gesture can work in his favor because he's talking to 65, 70, 75-year-old people, oftentimes they're vets, whatever their background is, who are not... Dramatic. What percentage
4: speech. of uh, elderly voters actually vote? So the likely, the, the
3: definition question. of likely. voters It's voter. a lot. I
1: think. I think a lot I of elderly of voters vote. I think it's one of the highest yeah. percentages. It's one of the highest percentages in they age get groups. Yeah. Bust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, But
3: well, those they're all the volunteers also at the polling places. However, and and in some in Ohio they're having trouble getting volunteers into the polling places. They were actually going to high school students. So speaking of youth and and voting, I think young people are going to make the difference. I think more young people are voting this election than ever before. It's really it's it's extraordinary. On college campuses, it's very interesting because there actually seems to be some interest. You know,
4: you know what the college campuses. Uh, my son is telling me he's a, a sophomore at Boston College. He said, all my friends are going to vote because there's a decriminalization of marijuana initiative oh. on the ballot. So, you know, there's this That's mindset funny. out there that this is all about potheads for Obama because that was funded by George Soros, who's throwing money all over. There like seven states where these initiatives are on the ballots. And it's, a, and it's just a trick to get their butts out of bed on pretty campus. That's pretty and funny. while you're there, vote for Obama. Okay.
1: Uh-huh. Good trick. <laughs> well, look, trick. Uh, we have... Uh, some important things we want to share with you about debates and debating. And to lead into that, uh, Debbie uh, London and I are going to talk about that in specific. But to lead into that, let me remind you folks that if you have a comment or a question you'd like us, to, uh, like us to be talking about, don't hesitate to drop us a line. Comments at electionspeakers.com. Comments at electionspeakers.com. We've been hearing from a lot of you from, frankly, all over the world. So don't hesitate to drop us a line with your thoughts and your questions, comments on what you hear us talking about. Now there are three things. I want to introduce three words into the conversation today. And I want to introduce three words into the conversation that everyone has about how to judge these debates. Now these are new words. We made them up, but you'll understand what they mean. The first word is politapan. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Politapan. It's a combination. It's a combination of the words political, and pandering. Because, hello, uh, don't like they do it. a lot of this? And so how do you describe it when you hear somebody politipandering? Politipan, one word. What does it mean? It means those things that a candidate or someone else says that are obviously designed to pander to the listener in front of them or to whom they are speaking. Okay? That's one word. Politipan. The second new word. Politigarb. You got it? Political and garble. How many times have you listened to a politician say something and afterwards you look at somebody else in the room and you say, what did he say? Or <laughs> what? Yeah. Did I understand what That's he crazy. Now, wait a minute. I don't, know. I don't quite get what he just said. That's politigarb. That's somebody who took the opportunity to say something that he or she meant to say in their mind didn't mean anything to anybody else who was listening. Politigarbing. The last word we're going to talk about is, and you'll figure this one out right away, politivoid. Right? Political and avoid. How many times have you heard somebody ask a question, and the answer is in a completely different direction? They avoided that question. All right? Did we hear this before? I think we talked about this one other week when... uh, yeah. we don 't want to second guess Israel or something like that didn't we hear this before kids? When we talked about second guessing and she was mm-hmm. asked a question to sort of answer a different question. But at any rate, political panning, political garbing, and political voiding these are things that you want to listen for in the debate when you hear them coming up this week or any time and i 'm sure you 've heard them and these are three new words that you 'll hear us using when we talk about the debates. Now, in talking about debates, you all of course realize that we 're not talking about debates. these are not really debates. these are more talk show things or interviews or something else. Uh, Dr. Debbie London, an expert in debate. You've done debates. You've coached debates. You've been a debater. Tell us a little bit about the different types of debates so that we know that this is not really a debate that we're hearing.
3: Right. Debate really is a misnomer here. If this were really a debate, it could either be a, a team debate that comes out of For example, the CETA tradition, cross-examination, or NDT, which was national debate topic, those two have merged. This is on the college circuit, and those used to be more policy-oriented, and that had to do more with logos or the logic of an argument. We're all here at the Speech Improvement Company, we're familiar with logos, ethos, and and pathos. It tends to be more evidence-based. Well, these are evidence-based. So there's also Lincoln-Douglas debates, which probably people are familiar with, Go ahead. As, as well as parliamentary debate, which is more substance over style. And these are not that kind of debate. This is a lot of the things that we've talked about, the things that are on our critique sheet you'll want to look at. You want to look at how do they use that space, how do they listen to each other, watch and, and listen to how they listen to each other. It's more... Again, what Monica said earlier, perception perception becomes reality as to how they, they, people interpret what they're saying. You know, if you can listen to all that, that's great, but are they overly solicitous? Are they just occasionally agreeing with their opponent? Are they too sarcastic? Their, their tone, their, if they're too sarcastic or if they attack their opponent in any way, that's going to come off as very negative and it's not going to matter what they say because if they don't say it the right way... It's not going to work for them. Are
1: they political panning, political garbing, or political voiding? Exactly. Yes, Monica, Monica Murphy. <laughs> go so ahead. what
2: you're saying, Debbie, is that we really are going to need to watch—are they good listeners? Because we are watching. People watching the television always look to see how do they listen? Do they have a you know what's happening with their facial expression as well as what they're saying? You're saying we need to be very careful watching how they are perceived in the way they take exactly. the, quest- the exactly. questions how they perceived when they are listening as well as when they're responding and, and even points. even
3: though law, law reminded us that they they've been all they've been rehearsing all week if not longer and they're familiar with the questions sometimes in real time the reaction might spark something unexpected and that's what everyone is looking for I believe
1: I heard the, I had the opportunity to hear 60 minutes yesterday. And I noticed a difference in the way that Obama is talking. He's much more shorter, much more. He's much shorter. He's much more direct in his answers, as opposed to being like Ethan mentioned, very thoughtful and ponderous in some cases. He's much more direct, and in the debate, I think he's going to have to be that in order to convince people to just pay attention and that he knows something.
5: Can I make one more reference to um, observation that in uh, the last, at the last election, how little the debates actually mattered in the final in the final outcome, because if you look at the debates, in almost every debate, John Kerry was far stronger. He, he won, In the, technically. the debate, right? And, it was, you know, and to the point where it was almost, I mean, with, with, with Bush, it was, it was really tough to, to watch. So,
2: so maybe the point
4: is that these are things that, um, you, you know, perhaps victory can be snatched from the jaws de- oh, of defeat, but, but you yeah. can't really win.
5: Yeah, So Here's a, here's a specific <laughs> homework you go, assignment. If you go back, then, you go back me,
3: to JFK, uh, you know, JFK lost the uh, debate but because it was televised against Nixon. He yeah, won because yeah. people mm-hmm. liked the way he looked. Liked right. the, so let me, let me add this as a,
5: as a homework assignment to listeners, uh, 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 to go back to what we said last week. At the end of the debates, as soon as the debate is over, as fast as you can, mute your television. Okay, and just jot down, grab a piece of paper so you're ready for this. Jot down what you took away from each of those speakers. What do you think they said, in addition to your scorecard, if you keep score that from our website. But write down, what do you think they said, right? Then, start flipping to any of the stations, any network. It doesn't matter if you're on the left or you're on the right. And see if it's going to be exactly it. See if you don't see yourself wondering, did they even watch this debate? <laughs> did they even see the same thing? Because they go right to their camps and it becomes a game of spin and marketing at that point the debate provides them with fodder for that. So it's very interesting to hear how that. Interesting. All right. Thank up. you, Which is by the way why the voiding happens because <laughs> oh, if yeah. I don't say it, they can't accuse me of saying something I never said. <laughs> if all I ever say is the company line, Sarah Palin, then that's the only thing that they can a- tie me a- they can tie me down to.
1: Let's go around our <laughs> round table one last time and get a quick comment from everybody. We'll start with uh, Monica Murphy and then to law Debbie Ethan, and our special guest, Wendy Murphy. So let's go around. Give us 15, 20 seconds. Do you think the most important thing we should be looking for in the upcoming debates? What should we be looking for? And then we'll talk a little bit about how we're going to be on the air with a special edition of electionspeakers.com. But first, Monica Murphy. I think what we'll be looking for for Obama is a definitive
2: voice tone, something that shows a little more confidence, not as much hesitancy in answering, which is a style of his. Mm-hmm. Strong, direct answers, and what we're looking for from McCain is uh, very clear, specific details, because he tends to avoid those.
1: All right, Law Lapidus.
0: Yeah, I agree with Monica, and I'll also make a sweeping generalization and say, watch both of them very carefully. Then take your eyes away and listen to both of them very carefully. Then just look at the content. They're three very separate worlds. All
1: right, Dr. Debbie London.
0: Perception is reality, and
3: I hope everyone perceives what they see as well as what they hear.
5: Ethan, okay. Um, I think for McCain, he's got to, uh, he's got to have, be able to articulate outside of the storytelling. But I think we're going to hear a lot of that. And with o- with Obama, he's got to turn on that passion because he's much better when he has it.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, Wendy, last but not least. Um, You know, I think just as a sort of mother in the room, what I'll be watching for is um, a reason to believe that one of them is really more um, sincere than the other. And I don't know what that will look like because I'm not an expert, but I know that that's the thing that matters most to me. And I haven't really made my decision up yet, so these debates really will make a difference in my vote.
1: I think they're going to make a difference in everyone's the, uh, vote, and that's the one reason why we're paying so much attention to them here today and will be throughout the entire season. And that begins this coming fri- Friday, uh, September the 26th, the first debate between, between the two presidential uh, candidates. And uh, we have a special edition of electionspeakers.com coming this week. So we will be with you right after the debate, following the debate. In fact, what's going to happen is that we have a debate party, so to speak, scheduled, a group of us, uh, the regulars on this program, as well as 50 guests that we've invited are coming to the program. To uh, We're actually meeting at a place called Cafe Nicholas in the heart of Newton Center, Massachusetts, uh, uh, an interesting place to meet. We'll talk about that on Friday. But we're going to meet there. We'll watch the debate together. We'll score the de- debate together. And then immediately the debate, following the, the debate immediately, we will tape this week's uh, electionspeakers.com. So be sure to be with us on Friday night, and then again, Saturday morning, you can hear everything, and of course, we'll be back the following Monday with next week's edition of electionspeakers.com. So we've got a special edition coming up this coming Friday, right after the debate. You can tune in to electionspeakers.com, and we'll be there declaring the winners and losers, and why we thought that it happened that way. Now, does this officially make us speech geeks? Uh, it may. <laughs> it might. You have to be careful. It rubs off on you and you start judging it by looking at technical things, boy, you get pretty geeky about this stuff. But that's why we're here. And we we want it. We, we want it. to offer you listeners the opportunity to judge on things that are not con- connected to content because we know so, so many of you are judging by the way folks look and sound, and that's why we're here to help you do that. So tune in to electionspeakers.com. Look at the website. On that website, by the way, you will find... The a copy of not only the scorecard, but the elements by which we score. So look at all of that. Learn from this and learn, of, of course, we hope, from the conversations that we have here. You know, we can add a link to Wendy's book, too. If yes, uh, yes. We'll, well, add that right. we'll put that, that, right. that into the show notes. And
4: JusticeForSome.com.
1: JusticeForSome.com. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. A thank very you. special mm-hmm. thank you to our special guest, Wendy Murphy, this week. Uh, always great to have you, Wendy. My thank pleasure. you. We invite you back anytime.
4: Thank you. I'd love it.
1: Great, great luck with the book, and it was nice to have you. Thanks, everybody. And so until next time, then, this is Dr. Dennis Becker saying thanks for listening, and bye for now.
0: You've been listening to Electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others included in the 2008 U.S. presidential elections. Electionspeakers.com is a production of the Speech Improvement Company and is posted every Monday.